Welcome to the Goshen News Sports Podcast. I'm sports editor Greg Keim, and with me in the studio again is sports reporter Austin Huff. And, of course, we're led by our fearless broadcaster and producer, Sheila Selman, who always keeps us in line here on the broadcast. It's the uh, the three-person weave, you know, like in basketball, you know. Or, That's right. Right. We throw it to Sheila. She throws it right back to us without even yeah. saying anything. It's, she's like, it's honestly incredible. She's the best co-host. She's like the, post, the point guard on a basketball team. Right. Right, she's the silent contributor, man. She she might That's not right. show and flash a lot, but she she's there. Without her, we wouldn't exist. So that know. that is true. Yeah. So, all but, right. Well, uh-huh. Austin, we got started with some Elkhart County High School football yeah. Friday night. One week later than we were expecting, but mm-hmm. we at least got started. It happened. Uh, we had games. Elkhart County High Schools finally played games and uh, did surprisingly well. Uh, at least in terms of overall record. I know there was a lot of concern about, well, they haven't played a game, and you're playing teams. Most of them played teams who had already played at least one game and had scrimmages, right? Right. Uh, but the overall record was 5-2 and two for the schools, and you were guaranteed at least one loss with Concord playing Jimtown, and the only other loss was Northwood to the defending 4A runner-up East Noble by one point. By one point. So, And the one game that we were guaranteed to have a at least a loss and also went to overtime. Right. So, yeah, yeah, you know, so it was a great game back and forth. Uh, Jimtown was down 23-7 going into the fourth and tied it, forced overtime, and and Concord pulled out the victory in overtime, which was uh, it was a big win for the Minutemen, you know, obviously. And uh, Jimtown's always a good program, and uh, they were ranked in uh, their class this year, 3A or 4A. 3A. Yeah, 3A. I think they're 3A. Yeah, and Concord is a five ranked 5A team, and – you know, Northwood, uh, you know, so Concord, Jimtown, good good game. It's what you expect from those two in a rivalry game. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the game you were at, Greg, South Bend I, Clay, Goshen. Yes. Talk I, a little bit about that. I got to see a Goshen win. They they defeated the <laughs> Colonials 43-6. to six. Mm-hmm. It's the most points they've scored since they beat Fairfield 49 to nothing to open the 2018 season. Right. And, uh, you know. Yeah. It was... I mean, Clay is not one of the stronger teams you're going to see on their schedule, to, in all honesty. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> There's basically, I, I think, about 30 players on the Clay roster, and there were at least five guys on the sidelines that were not dressed even for the game. So, Right. And then it was, and, and Coach Park agreed with me on Monday when I talked to him because the game went so long Friday night, I didn't even have time to talk to him mm-hmm. after the game to get a story filed to meet our deadlines. Right. The first hour, the the first half of that game, which is twelve minutes, a quarter, mm-hmm. two, twenty-four total running minutes on the clock, took one hour and thirty-five minutes to play. <laughs> yeah, I think we were kicking off the second half I mean, at Northwood East Noble by then. So. It had to be the slowest half of football I have ever yeah. seen at the high school level. And, and when and when you've got two teams that maybe aren't the most talented in the world, it probably doesn't add, help matters. Uh, well, and you know. a, a big part of it, too, was I, I think it was Clay's numbers, and I don't know if they did not drink enough water or didn't, weren't hydrated <laughs> proper enough because it was like every third or fourth play there was a Clay player mm-hmm. down on the field, and they had to bring the, the health people out to, mm-hmm. to help them get off the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that delays the game when that happens. Right, and I'm sure you're seeing that a, a lot of places. You're seeing injuries, uh, you know, not necessarily from contact, you know, but just like from lack of contact, essentially, from not being able to practice as much. Yeah. You see a lot of those uh, muscle injuries, like ham or hamstring injuries, like that, 
Um, that same thing with the game I was at in week one with West Noble. You know, there were like four or five injuries in the third quarter alone, and it was always it looked like you know you know muscle like hamstring or yeah. something like that, where it's not necessarily someone broke their leg. You know, because they were tackled. It was right, more of a, every every player, I believe, in Clay that went down ended up walking off the field on their own power. Right, right. Yeah. You know, so basically, I think it was more of a cramping problem than anything. Cramps, right? Things like that. Things were like you're not maybe not you know in shape as you you should be for a football season just because of all of the COVID restrictions teams have had since July sixth. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, was not surprised personally to see Goshen win by that much. No, uh, I was neither. Clay's and, not that great, uh, <laughs> and it, you know so, it was. But it I, it's was, just the truth. It's just I mean they're they're yeah. a young team. It's a young program, and you know that they got a new coach there, and yeah. I'm sure he'll build it back up. But you know, as of right now, it's what it's what Fairfield in 2018 was. You know, Fairfield in 2018 under Matt Thacker first season. You know, didn't have that many guys. I mean, they had to cancel a game for lack of numbers. You know, right. So it it just takes time. You know, it just takes time. To build it up, and you saw Thacker last season. They won six games, played in a sectional championship, and this year they week one they win fifty seven to six. You know over Osceola Grace, and again Grace not a great team either. No offense to Osceola Grace, but yeah. you know that's a game that Fairfield struggled to win in overtime last year, and they won by six. You know fifty one this year. That just shows right. you that, that improvement that Thacker has made, and that's what you'll see at Clay eventually. I think it just takes time. Yeah, and there were, there were some. Bright spots for Goshen. I mean, their offense put up a lot of points. They right. had five different players score touchdowns, uh, led by running back Drew Worthman, who had two. Liam Deegan had one. Brandon Hinkle had one. Colin Turner had one. And also Quinn Bechtel had one. Mm-hmm. And one thing about Liam Deegan, it was pointed out to me as a, as a fan was walking by, mm-hmm. he said, have you noticed that as close as we are to Notre Dame, because it's literally, a, you know, Clay's not right. that far away right from there. the University of Notre Dame. Right he said, Goshen's the only player, that, Goshen's the only team out here that has an Irish player on their football team. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true, yeah. Yeah, Clay is pretty close so, over to Notre Dame. Notre yeah, Dame and Stadium, and so. the other thing they had, they did, was they, they rushed for 95 yards of the game, which isn't a lot, but they also protected quarterback Colin Turner well. And this is an offensive line that basically only has one returning starter in Cam mm-hmm. Kircher. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the guys were playing their first game under the lights on Friday night. Right. That's a good showing. So, you know, good showing for a young team there, obviously. Yeah. You know, get that win. Now the competition gets a little more steep this week with Mishawaka. Right. right. Uh, the Cavemen lost to Elkhart on Friday. They were actually leading that game at, at one point. Elkhart came back and won the game. Um first game for the Elkhart Lions, so that's a good win for that program to start, you know, off on the right foot. Uh, but the Cavemen are 0-2. I think it's the first time they've been 0-2 in a long time. Yeah. Uh, almost a, more than a decade for sure. And, uh, you know, obviously their record says 0-2, but they've lost to Mishawaka Marion. Who's a 44-43 right. in overtime. Right. A great team. Right. A great team. And Elkhart by a touchdown, who's a you know a new team, a lot of talent on that team as well. Yeah. So their 0-2 record isn't necessarily indicative of their talent level, right. I think. Uh, so. And there's there's a local connection here because their coach is Jim Brown High School graduate Keith Kinder, mm-hmm. who was a quarterback on a couple of state championship teams for the Jimmys back in the 1990s. Right. So... It's, you know, it's going to be a good litmus test. It'll be good. And it'll be uh, Mishawaka's first game in the Northern Lakes Conference. Right. It's an historic uh, encounter. Well, first football game, at least. Since leaving the uh, 
Northern Indiana Conference last right. year, right. which they had been, I believe, were a charter member of that conference when it was formed back in the 1920s. Right, yeah. So they've been a long-time member of that conference. Yeah, it's kind of, it's still weird to me. Like, I saw uh, Mishawaka, someone, a Mishawaka, like, cross-country tweet, like, got retweeted into my timeline just talking about the NLC, first NLC Super Duel is Tuesday, and I, like, looked at that, and I'm like, that's yeah. still weird to see, like, Mishawaka in the NLC, like, it's still taking a couple minutes to process that. Like, right. that feels like it got so lost in the shuffle of, like, the world, you know, <laughs> the last six months, right? You know, you've yeah. been thinking about, are sports even going to happen? And then it's like, oh, yeah, Mission Walk is also in the NLC. Like, that's just weird to think about, yeah. you know, that they're going to be playing Wallace in football and Goshen and Northwood, you know, consistently and, and well, actually, Concord they've, and they've played, they've played Goshen. This is actually going to be the 54th meeting in the series right. between the two schools. They haven't played since 2010, though, when they met in the sectional. And uh, Mishawaka won that game 35-7. to Right. Mishawaka actually has a 13-38-2 advantage over the yeah. over the Goshen program in yeah. all time. Right, and so, obviously, obviously it's not like Mishawaka, you know, plays in the region and they're making these long drives. Like, Mishawaka is still close, so it isn't necessarily weird to see them play Goshen, Concord, Northwood, right. whatever, but for official Northern Lakes Conference competition, it just looks weird. You well, know? in a lot of those games probably occurred when Goshen was a member of the Northern Indiana Conference. Right. Back in the, uh, up until like the late 60s, I think, they then they dropped out of that league. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but, yeah, uh, it's going to be, like I said, it's a litmus test for Goshen. You know, yeah. it's a younger program, or a younger team, uh, and, you know, they got a nice week one win, which is good. You know, it's always good to get a win, and that builds your confidence up, and you know, but going up against a team like Mishawaka, that's going to be, Interesting, and, I, and it kicks yeah. off a really tough stretch for Goshen too. Where I think they play Mishawaka and then Warsaw, Northwood, Concord, like all in the next four yeah. weeks. You know, three of them on the road, where it's like really yeah. you know the murderers. They've already row. played two games on the road. So. I know murderers row coming up here for yeah. Goshen. They they're getting thrown into the fire right now. You know, so one thing that stood out too about the Goshen was their defense. Mm-hmm. They had fifteen sacks. No, fifteen, 15 tackles 15 for sacks. loss. Wow. And six sacks in that game. They held Clay to minus 28 yards rushing. That feels good. And they had Clay had 68 yards passing. And when you figure out that they had 94 yards on one play mm-hmm. in the second quarter, a 94-yard touchdown pass that Coach Park said should never have happened because we had two chances to sack the quarterback in the backfield, mm-hmm. and we missed both of those. And then the defender blew the coverage – on mm-hmm. the pass and left the, the clay guy wide open so he was able to run down the sidelines. Mm-hmm. So actually, yeah. you know, they got all those plays, all those yards on a play that probably shouldn't have happened according yeah. to the Goshen coach. Hey, defensive breakdowns happen. It is what it is. But, yeah. you know, luckily the defense was able to rally after that and not really give up anything else. So but 15 it, tackles for losses. That's that impressive. is a lot. Yeah, that's, that's really impressive. It's, you know, I mean, you think about how many series on offense Clay had in the game, you know, probably like – 10, 11 series total, you know, to get 15 tackles, you're getting at least one per series. You yeah. know, that's at least one negative play per series for Clay, which is really impressive for that impressive. Goshen defense. So. Duncan Green, by himself, had four of those tackles for losses and three sacks. It's impressive. It really yeah. is. So, yeah, should be, like I said, should be a litmus test game here for Goshen and they, uh, against Mishawaka. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by that game. And 
Uh, the game I was at this past Friday, Northwood and East Noble, uh, you know, Northwood starting quarterback Nate Newcomer, he went out uh, probably like the fourth or fifth play of the game. He he had a big he had a run for about 20, 25 yards. It was the first down, and as he was going out of bounds, he like lowered the shoulder into an East Noble defender. It was a big collision. Helmets popped off, right? Like one of those. Uh, it, it initially, it looked like Nate like lowered the shoulder onto that guy and was gonna like stand up, you know, and like. But then Nate was he was laying on the ground, and so it would, all of a sudden became kind of a scary moment. Um, he was able to walk off on his own power, but he didn't return to the game. Uh, Coach An- Nate Andrews didn't have any update really after the game about his status. Um, it didn't look, you know, it was a big hit. Like it was a big mm-hmm. hit. So. You know your concerns there, obviously. You know it was it wasn't anything like it look didn't look like anything like a shoulder or a knee. You know, like, like hopefully he's okay. Like newcomer could be could come back sometime, maybe this week. Hopefully, you know, sometime this season. But Caden uh, Lone, the sophomore, stepped in and played quarterback the rest of the game, and he did all right. You know, he threw a couple interceptions, one on a fake punt uh, where East Noble read it perfectly. I mean, no one was fooled. <laughs> Let's no, just say no. that. Let's just say that. Um, and uh, you know he he played well alone. They they drove they moved the offense fairly well with him. He was more of a running quarterback than a passing quarterback on Friday. Um, but I mean Northwood had two chances in the second half. Man, they got down to the six yard line. They actually got down to the one yard line. First and goal. Had a false start. Then ran two plays for no gains and then threw an interception in the end zone. It was they were trying to do a fake fake run pass over the top. And East mm-hmm. Oval read it beautifully again. Yeah. Uh, and then they got to about the 15-yard line on their last drive of the game and just couldn't couldn't get a completion on a fourth down. So uh, East Oval's defense was legit, um, as, as advertised. But, you know, it, it makes you think, man, if, if Newcomer had played the whole game, maybe if he doesn't get hurt, they got a shot to win the game and upset East no. Oval early. You know, it would have been a big, big win for Northwood early in the season, you know. so uh, But it's not like... Uh, Nate Andrews was not prepared for this because no. he had said in his preseason story right. that he really didn't know. You know, they really had kind right. of a quarterback competition between Lone and Newcomer. Right. Right. He Lone. wasn't sure which one was going to start, but he said mm-hmm. whichever one's at quarterback, the other one's going to be on the field somewhere. Right. And Lone has taken snaps at quarterback last year too, so like he he has some familiarity with the position. But Nate uh, Andrews kind of said after the game he just didn't take enough reps at quarterback during. The last couple of weeks, probably to be prepared to play it fully in a yeah. game, and you know he said too that his team made made mistakes you would see like in a scrimmage. You know where it, it, he wasn't too upset necessarily about what his how his team played because he knows this was their first real contact. Well, yeah, you know against anybody other than themselves for the last six months. Right. <laughs> you know, so he wasn't too concerned. But you know now they now they turned their attention to Concord. You know, big conference game. It's always had NLC championship implications, usually, uh, when the Minutemen and Panthers get together. It's at Andrews Field, so Northwood's at home. Uh, you know, if Newcomer plays, that's going to be a could be a deciding factor on who wins the game. Uh, but it's yeah. always fun when those two teams get together. So, should be a good contest on there Friday. But I, I, I came, be. I came away impressed for the most part, with Northwood, for handling that without having Newcomer and to still be in the game all the way. Yes. I mean, newcomer, newcomer, Andrew said it too after the game, he plays five positions for them. He's their quarterback, safety, deep kickoff returner, punter, and kicker. 
So, like, when they scored the touchdown to go down 15-14, they could have kicked the extra point, but they didn't have a kicker. Like, so they had to go for two, and they missed a two-point conversion. And, you know, that was with five minutes left in the second quarter. So I'm sure they thought they were going to score again or, you know, have another chance to score again. And they just weren't able to find the back of the end zone the rest of the game. So. But as, as Andrew told me before when he went for two – and he often goes for two points. He said, two points is better than one point yes. on the conversions." Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. So he's he's a uh, he's notorious for his uh, aggressiveness. I would say right. he likes going for it, and I respect that. I respect the strategy. Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, uh, but yeah. So yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I came away relatively. That Northwood defense looked really good. You know, they looked pretty stout at, at times. Uh, against East Stobel. so I'm 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 intrigued to see if they can keep that going against Concord on Friday. That's going to be a good game. That should be a fun one, I guess, at Andrews Field. So should be, yeah. And another interesting game coming up this week is Wallace hosting the North Ridge Raiders. Yeah, both of whom are two and zero to start the season. Well, North Ridge is one and zero. One and zero. I'm North, sorry, they're both one undefeated. But both undefeated. Yeah. 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 And neither one of them has given up a point so far. Right. How about that, right? Uh, Wallace is up 73 to nothing this season on their two teams. They beat Lakeland 42 nothing in the opener and and West Oval 31 nothing this past Friday. And Northridge shut out South Bend St. Joseph 42 nothing. And, I, you know, no disrespect to Northridge and, their, and everything, but and nothing against the St. Joe, but that score probably su- – Surprised me more than any Friday night when I heard yeah. that one. I I agree. That one like was really eye opening. It was like wow. Well, they returned. Northridge returned the opening kickoff, I believe, for a touchdown. Yeah, bracket judge, eighty nine yards returned yeah. the opening kickoff for the game. Untouched too. I don't know if you saw the highlight, but yeah. he basically went untouched, which was actually really impressive. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know the they the offense moved the ball despite having eighteen penalties. Northridge had eighteen penalties and won the game forty two nothing. Like, that's crazy. Um, Those are the kind of things that give coaches gray hair. Right. But then also, like, they won 42 nothing. So, like, can you be too upset? Maybe they should do that more often. Maybe that's the key to success, you know? More penalties. So, probably I, not. I don't think too many coaches <laughs> are going to follow that strategy, Austin. No. No. But I think I think that's why you're writing about coaches yes. instead of being a coach. I can't. I'm gonna write. A, <laughs> I'm gonna write a column about how they should take more penalties. I think that'll go over really well. Uh, no, but. Yeah, so, it, yeah, it is kind of an interesting game, you know, with Northridge and Wawasee this week. It's at Wawasee. Uh, on the turf. On the turf, right. Well, Northridge has a turf now, too, so, like, you know, they still haven't played a home game on that. They haven't played turf. a home game on it, though. Yeah. 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 So, I, I am intrigued because, I, you know, I, like I said before the season, I think Wawasee is an interesting team. We're like, they have a lot of returning players. You know, especially at the this quarterback being back, that always helps having an experienced quarterback back. And you know, I'm not saying Wallace is going to go nine and zero here, but they have a couple pieces where, like, you know, they could they could they're going to be in games against teams. And yeah. I think they've shown that you know these first two weeks they can beat the 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 bad teams, quote unquote, on their schedule. And you know, West Oval well, is a young team. Lakeland, I don't know if I'd say bad teams, but they sh- right. they're beating the teams that they, they should be. Right, they should be. West Oval and Lakeland are both. Young teams this year. Lakeland's, you know, with a new new head coach and West Oval losing all of its talent, most of its talent from last year. I shouldn't say all of its talent, but most of the key players from last season are gone for West Oval. So they're in a rebuilding type season. So is Lakeland with a new coach. Yeah. So Wallace was was primed to win both those games. I didn't think they were going to shut them, both of them out. 
you know, that all, that was a little surprising to me. Uh, but you know, Wawasi is a team, like I said, that they could they could mess around. They could they could you know beat some teams maybe that they shouldn't be. You know, like four or five wins for them isn't out of the question right now. I mean, they could easily beat Northridge. Oh, Goshen's a game on their schedule they could win. I mean, uh, you know, they they got some games here that you know they they're going to contend. They're not going to be a pushover like they have been at times in the last couple of years. I think so. It's going to be interesting. This week is kind of their lit, their not the litmus test, but like kind of their potentially a coming out party for Wallace C almost of like, let's see, you know, let's see how they face against a team in their conference who's been a pretty consistent program the last couple of years at Northridge, you know, Uh, obviously went 9-0 a couple of years ago in the regular season, have had some success, you know, team-wise the last couple of seasons, haven't necessarily been bad by any stretch, you know. No. So beating a team, getting a win over Northridge is something – a program like Wawasi is striving for right now. They want to be able to beat those teams that are kind of middle to the upper pa- upper middle of their conference. You know, so if Wawasi gets that win, that's a huge thing for that program and second-year coach John Rudebuck. So right, they're actually Wawasi's off to a two and zero start, and that's the first time since 2016 they've started a season two and zero when they actually went three and zero that year. Mm-hmm. So they're off to a good start. Right. And it's the first time they've posted back-to-back shutouts since 1986 when they shut out four straight teams. That's impressive. Right. That's incredible. Like, four straight games without giving up a point. You have a really good chance of winning if you don't give up any points. Just going to say that. Write that down, Sheila. That will be on the quiz at the end of the year. Yes. Yes. So, along with uh, our baseball question from last week, which was about uh, – Something I forgot. So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on a more national scene, a little bit of news coming out of Notre Dame this week. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, they are having a limited fan attendance policy, like most places are anyway. Uh, but Notre Dame is limiting attendance to faculty, staff, and students, and potentially parents of athletes as well. Depending on parents space. of players are in there. Parents of players, yes, are definitely in. Yeah, well, twenty percent. From, from what it sounds like, students get first first preference. So once the student allotment is filled, then it then it becomes kind of like a like a draw, like a lottery system almost to determine parents, faculty, staff for the rest of the tickets, basically, and they're all going to be spread out in the stadium. Parents will be kept away separately from the faculty and staff and students. Just because of you know they don't want it, they don't want to have anyone from the outside potentially give it to someone on campus and then they have another outbreak right you know on campus so uh, wasn't surprised by that news you're seeing a lot of people a lot of schools and teams do no fans at all period I was gonna say there's already been two teams in the ACC that have announced no fans at home games Wake Forest and North Carolina State right and you know NC State announcing it wasn't a surprise. Because they've had similar issues as Notre Dame with outbreaks on campus among students and staff uh, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I understand Notre Dame wanting to get as many students, many, you know, if they can get people in the stadium, you know, it's basically, you know, everyone's in the bubble of campus, right? So now they can just keep everyone, if everyone's in that bubble, in theory, they could all go to the games together, wear masks, stay distanced, right? Things like that. Um, and they're trying to limit the amount of people from outside the bubble as possible. Right. So that's why only parents of players will be allowed, you know, at the games. So 
And the other big thing, no tailgating. No tailgating. No tailgate parties at Notre Dame. This I know. Year. My walk, my walk from the park, from the parking lot to the stadium will be a lot easier now. I won't have to navigate Why? all you the should, partying. You should be a lot closer too. I would right. think. Right. I'm the, assuming they'll let us park closer, hopefully, to the to the stadium. But who? Knows? I mean, who knows? I'm not. I'm not getting my hopes up about that. That but. is assuming <laughs> we get credentials because right. we still haven't heard that yet. Right. Right. There is still some. You know, lee- they, right. There. We they still- cut back on those this year too, mm-hmm. to limit the number of people in the press box. Uh, there will be no. Uh, sideline photographers or yeah. videographers allowed from local organizations, yeah. other than the ACC portal people, right? Whoever yeah. that's going to be, I don't. Yeah. We don't know at this point. Yeah, it's all a. Uh, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm not surprised by any announcements, and I I understand. I understand anything. Every provision they're putting in place, you know, limitations, whatever you want to call them. I, you know, I'm just lucky. You know that they're still trying to play games you know like we're gonna try to play and that works for me uh so you know obviously some leagues like the big 10 and the pac-12 aren't playing although uh president trump tweeted this morning that apparently he met with kevin warren the big 10 uh commissioner about playing football so who knows where that might go but (laughs) you know i I don't know how much power kevin warren has it's more about this the presidents of the big 10 than anything. Well, I think the what's going to decide that is probably the court case. I mean, right. there's, there's been a lawsuit filed right. to play the Big Ten football season. and mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll see where that goes. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know it is, it's interesting, I guess, to see where that might go. But as of now, Notre Dame is playing. They're playing Duke in, ele- from ele- in uh, 10 days or 11 days from the recording of this podcast. They are going to be playing Duke. Uh, at home, they announced the kickoffs for the home games. Yeah, um, all home games are on NBC this year, except the South Florida game, which is on USA Network on the 19th. There must have been some scheduling conflict on uh, NBC. Yeah, what? So the, the I can't remember what I saw it over the weekend. They were wondering about what time, when that game was going to be because uh, right NBC's either carrying. I think they got a golf. They got the. PG, uh, the U.S. Open U- I think it's the U.S. Open weekend. Yeah. yeah. So They were wondering how the NBC was going right. to handle that. So Notre Dame is playing t- at 2.30 p.m. that day. The game is on USA Network. So the this Notre Dame has six home games this year. Um, they announced that the first two, Duke and uh, South Florida, will be 2.30 p.m. kickoffs. Uh, then the next home game is October 10th against Florida State, which is at a 7.30 p.m. kickoff, which is just great. You know, love those primetime games, uh, especially especially when that means you're working until 1 a.m. Uh, just love it. And um, and then the October 17th game against Louisville is back to 2.30 p.m. The uh, November 7th game against Clemson, shockingly, is also 7.30 p.m. Surprised they put no. that one in primetime. Yeah, I was stunned when Notre I saw Notre Dame it. Clemson in primetime? No. I was stunned. I thought they were going to put that at 11 a.m. You know, I thought that was, you know, it's not a big game, you know, Clemson, Notre Dame, not really much any hype around that, you know. Really, it should have been a 10.30 p.m. kickoff, you know. Who, no one's going to want to watch that game, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then the last home game against Syracuse on December 5th is still to be determined uh, for kickoff time. I would assume that'll be a 2.30 game eventually. Uh, it just depends on where Notre Dame is at, where Syracuse is at. You know, if Notre Dame 
needs that win to potentially get in the playoff again, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that gets put to 730, you know, at night. Just because it would mean a lot, you know, you can get the, you know, primetime spot. You saw that, you know, in 2018 when Notre Dame, once they were 6-0, it was like every game got was a primetime game, you know. It was like, oh, Notre Dame's playing for a playoff spot, so let's put them at 7 o'clock or 7.30, whatever, you know. So it was a lot of night games, you know, the rest of that season, so... Uh, yeah, nothing surprised me about that announcement today. Um, but they did replace Doug Flutie with Tony Dungy on the broadcast. So I know a lot of people are excited about that. Um, Mike Tirico, Tony Dungy are the main play-by-play and color guys for Notre Dame football this year. Right. So Tony uh, Dungy, he, he did a great job with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, yeah, and he's he has and, uh, he has done he's worked a couple games with Tirico. Uh, doing like uh, when NBC gets like a Saturday night football, you know, game like for NFL, right? Or a thir- mm-hmm. they get the, the Thursday night random, you know, whatever. And you know, I think I think Dungey has done well as a color commentator with Tariko, so that's you know, it's going to be nice to see that pairing consistently together. Yeah. You know, so so it's still going to be on their NFL yeah. Sunday night show. I too? would assume so. I mean, Tariko, he know, does Tirico's, a good job on that, right? Tariko has done you know the Saturday NBC. Notre Dame games and then flies back to do the Sunday NFL, you know, show. So I'm assuming Dungey and Tariko will just be on the same flight together, you know, and go back and go back and forth between uh, socially you know, distanced, right, though, right, right, six feet apart, you know, six feet apart, um, and uh, masks, right, you know. So yeah, I, I think it's a smart move. I know a lot of people aren't huge fans of Doug Flutie on the color commentary for Notre Dame games. Uh, I. You know, I don't listen to him often. You know, I don't watch him on TV that often. Uh, it's, it's a home game usually, uh, so I don't hear Doug Flutie talk usually. But I know a lot of fans aren't thrilled with him as a color commentator, so they're happy to hear a new voice. So <laughs> uh, I'll just say that. So yeah, yeah. And uh, I wanted to get to one more thing locally um, here before we before I forget. Um, Saturday night, I was at West Oval High School for the boys' soccer game against Wallace C. And uh, it was the first home game for West Oval since the passing of their teammate, Anthony Reyes. Uh, he died in a car accident on August 20th. Um, and uh, it was, uh, I thought everything that they did on Saturday was just well, beautifully well done, all, all handled incredibly well. Um, they have a memorial kind of set up for him outside. It's like, technically outside the stadium but it's not like it's kind of hard to describe but it's like right next to the stands big cross flowers pictures of him you know and uh both teams started with 10 players on the field uh in honor you know one man down was what they called it um each starting player for west oble presented a, a rose to the parents of anthony who were there at the game and then on the opening kickoff uh, the West Noble player kicked the ball out of bounds symbolically. And the player that did that, Eric Medina, he was actually in the car with Anthony uh, when that when the car accident I saw occurred. that when you were in yeah. your story, and I didn't realize that. Yeah. But. yeah, and Medina, you know, he suffered pretty much minimal injuries. I think they said he had a, like a like a laceration on his hand. like So he just basically had a, got a cut in his hand from that accident, and, and Anthony, you know, tragically passed away. Um Seventeen years old, man, just too young, you know. Too, too young, young, yes. And uh, I just, like I said, I thought the whole moment was handled beautifully. Uh, the parents, 
you know, being there was awesome to see. Uh, you know, it was it was a pretty emotional scene, you know, but they they handled it with class and uh, Wawasee was great. And I thought the Wawasee coach Jordan Sharp after the game, you know, West Oval won nine to one. It kind of got out of hand a little bit at the end, uh, you know. But uh, he he said, you know, you know, while obviously yes, deep down I wanted to win. I knew that West Oval was going to come out and play, you know, for Anthony for him. Right. So. Good for them, you know. I, you know, he didn't seem too upset that his team lost that one. You know, like he he understood. And he 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 made sure to commend both his players and the West Noble players for handling everything, you know, beautifully before the game and in that first ten seconds of the game. Technically, uh, was when they did the kickoff. It, the game, you know, that officially counted, I guess. Um, so yeah, uh, I thought it was pure class from from Sharp and. Uh, Everyone was great on Saturday night. There, it it was a perfect, it was perfect, perfect moment, uh, perfect tribute. And uh, you know, West Oval now they, you know, they're a good team. They're going to be a contender. They win their sectional again, and uh, now they have you know even more motivation to do it to win. You know, for Anthony. So, because yeah. you know, in the first game, home game after that happened, it's it's got to be a tough one for the kids and the coach. Mm-hmm. Because you never know how kids are going to react. I mean, you, you got to remember you're dealing with 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. Right. And, you know, is that going to fire them up to play? Or, I mean, they're going to be depressed because this happened? You know, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I think luckily, you know, West Noble had a game before Saturday. They went on the road and played Angola, which I'm sure was, you know, helped them with the emotions, you know. Right. But, you know, you still come home. You know, that's the first time you're seeing the the cross, you know, statue, you know, memorial for Anthony and the probably the first time they've seen the parents, you know, at least since the funeral, you know, right. which is always so sad. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of extra emotions with playing a home game. You know, there was a number seven spray painted on the field, you know, both sides of the field to honor Anthony. That, that was his number. Um, and after the game, they did a prayer around the number seven and, uh, you know, which, yeah, it was just really touching. You know, it was really beautiful stuff, and uh, you know, it was it was a great moment. And and you know, West Noble responded, you know, the best way possible by going out there and, and winning a soccer match and doing it in pretty convincing fashion. Like I said, the score got a little out of hand at late, you know, but it was a pretty good, strong performance. What what you would expect from the Chargers? So yeah, yeah, I I yeah, I was taken aback by the whole the whole scene. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, what, one other thing I wanted to mention too is coming up as a little tease for this week coming in in the paper is I had an interview with a young man who's a Northridge graduate named Gavin Kircher, mm-hmm. who works for Team Penske. Yes, he was actually in uh, Will Powers' pit crew at the Indianapolis 500 this year. And unfortunately, his parents couldn't go down and see him because of the no fan restriction. Right. You know, they couldn't go down and see him in action. Was this the first time he's ever person. worked in Indy 500? Well, yes. This is his second year, with, I believe, with Penske. But yeah, his first at the 500. And he said basically his job was to spray down the car when they came in to refuel it because the engine, you know, is so hot and the, and the hood of the car is so hot that right. if they don't spray that down, and any fuel would happen to spill, it's right. going to be an instant fire. Wow. That's a no-pressure job, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, no pressure job. Don't make right. the car go on fire. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, 
That's actually really cool, though. I mean, like, you know, and first off, I got to just say Will Power is the best name maybe in sports. I love his name. It's just great. Um, you know, he was, he was born to be a race car driver. He really was. was. The last he, on, Power. he honestly was. He really, yeah, great name. But that's a really cool story. You know, it's always fun to find local connections and hear about local connections uh, to, you know, big sporting events like that, you know. Yeah. So that's pretty cool that, you know, you're able to track him down. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading about his experience. Yeah. The only uh, thing I wish I had to know, I told his parents too, I wish I had known about this before the 500 right. so we could have done a little more of a preview thing. Yeah. But it's still, it's still cool worked out. Yeah. I mean, it just so happens that his uncle, Terry Kircher, used to work here at the news. Mm-hmm. And I saw somebody po- make a post on uh, Facebook that Sunday about the 500. And Terry responded and said, yeah, my nephew Gavin Kircher's down there working on a pit crew for Penske. <laughs> what? And, uh, no idea. So I right. shot Terry a message right away and I said, yeah, how can I get a hold of this kid? Yeah. How old, so, is, how old is Gavin? He graduated in, I believe, 2018. So he's just... Wow, he's only like 20 years old? Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. That's really cool, you know? And it's, it's funny how the whole thing came about. I mean, he, he hadn't really thought about doing anything and like this and then you know the college he was thinking about college somewhere and then there's all these scholarships came up to go to this technical college that nascar has down in in north carolina mm-hmm. and he said they're gonna pay me to do all this he said i'll go to school there <laughs> yeah i'll sign me up yeah yeah and then, awesome. you know he also said too that he, he wanted to travel. He wanted to get into something where he could travel and see the country. He said, now I get to do that. And he said, somebody else is paying for all the cost. <laughs> so he said, basically, I'm traveling on their money. Yeah, he said, what more could you ask for? That's awesome. That's really cool. So, I mean, it's really cool, man. You find something you like to do and people are willing to pay you to do it. That's awesome. You know? That's so, right. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm looking forward to reading more about his experience at Indianapolis and, uh, I'm that's, sure. I'm sure it meant a lot to him being an yeah. Indiana native. Just you know, that's the, one of the biggest races in sports. You know, and it's greatest spectacle in racing. It is the greatest spectacle in racing. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So but, you know, that's what that's why I always tell people about my job. I said, you know, what what more could I ask for? They pay me to go to sporting events. Right. Yeah. Right. You're paying me to go watch volleyball. Okay. I mean, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. So, I, can, I can see Sheila with a twinge of jealousy over there that we're getting paid to go to sporting events. And I know. Sheila, the door is always open for you to go cover an event. Just yeah, let me know we, when you want to go. We'd, we'd love to cover four football games in one night. That's all I'm saying, you know? Yeah. So, all right, we got one more little fact. Uh, one more. Fact? I got one more baseball fact for you yes. for this week. Spread this down, Sheila. On this date in 2004. Recent event. Gary Sheffield drove in three runs for the New York Yankees and became the second Major League Baseball player in history to have 100 or more bi- more RBIs in a season for five different teams Wow! in his career. Which five teams? All right. The San Diego <laughs> Padres, the Florida Marlins, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Atlanta Braves, and, of course, the Yankees. Yeah. I always remember a Sheffield as a Yankee, and then he, I think he played for the Mets after he played for the Yankees, I believe. Yeah. So I always remember Sheffield kind of more of that tail end of his career about of, with the, the two New York teams, but... That's impressive. That's a you don't you know see that ever. So I always and, loved his batting stance too with it with them shaking the bat and everything. Yes. that was always so cool. Yeah, yeah. As, a, as when I was like seven, I would always do that. Like, oh, I'm gonna go up there and be like Gary Sheffield and bat, and then you know didn't, didn't hit as well. Didn't as quite him. work out. Didn't hit as well as him. No. Yeah. <laughs> and the only other Major League Baseball player to do that is a guy who's in the Hall of Fame. I'm not familiar with this guy. His name is Dan Brothers. B R O U T H E R S. 
He played from 1887 to 1894. Yeah, I'm. I, I, you know, I don't. I don't think either of us were around for his heyday. Um, No, but yeah, because like usually, you don't see not many guys move around where they're like great players like that. Or if they do, it's like two or three teams. You know. You don't really see a lot of change necessarily. Well, with, with the, free agency. Well, it's been more the last. You see a lot more 15, than you used to. Right, right. I'm, I'm saying like, but even still, like, like you don't see many players move to five different teams, you know, usually. And to have the so, kind of success, right? Consistently do it for five, you know. To think drive, about think yeah. about like Albert Pujols, you know, he signed with the Angels and he hasn't been as productive when the one was with the Cardinals, you know. So, just kind of crazy to think, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, folks. That will wrap up another edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. And tune in next week for a new version. 